Today, I want to talk about praise and worship. Why is it important and why are we, why is it important to us? What's our vision for praise and worship? Now, to talk about praise and worship, the, the moment that we talk about worship, generally we think about music, think about the praise and worship that we just experienced. But I want to talk about the whole big picture of worship. Look, if you will, to Luke chapter 4. Uh, Luke chapter 4 is the passage where Jesus is led into the wilderness and tempted by the devil. First temptation is about the love of the Father and really uh, our identity as a child of God. The second one begins in verse 5. It said, The devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give to you and their glory, for this has been given to me, and I will give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall not worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Interesting passage. I understand the first temptation is over love and identity, and we've talked about that a lot. But the second temptation was over the issue of worship. Now, why is that so important? Why is it important? Because we were created to worship. We're a created being, and we're, we're going to worship. The issue is not, are you going to worship? The issue is, what are you worshiping? Yeah, See, the issue is, it's a, it's a heart issue. God's after our heart. And what he wants is that our heart go after him. And so the issue is, you're going to worship. You are worshipers. You're going to worship. What are you worshiping? And what you worship is basically what you ascribe value to. And what it means is you give honor and you give glory, what worship means, you, you bow down before something. But it tells us in Exodus 20 that the first command is that you should have no God before me. You should not bow down or worship anything other than the living God. God's not, it's not about form. He's about our heart. He wants us to love him and worship him with all of our heart. And so that's why he says you've got to understand that even though we, quote, don't think about idolatry, anymore. We don't have little idols or things that we bow down to, but idolatry is still just as real. Amen. I mean, we have all kinds of idols that we have set up, and we set those things up, and we look at those, and we literally give honor, and we give value to it. So the whole issue of worship is so important that we must understand before we can really talk about praise and worship. Look at uh, John chapter 4. John chapter 4 is the story of the woman at the well where Jesus encounters this woman, and uh, he's having a dialogue with her. It's, I love the entire passage. We don't have time to read it. But, the, but when you think about it, Jesus is talking spiritual, and the woman's in the natural. He finally gets her to a spiritual place, and immediately it turns to worship. She wants to know, well, you say that you Jews say we worship here, and we say you worship over here. And what does Jesus say? Verse 23. But the hour is coming, and now is. When is that hour? Now. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. Isn't that amazing? I mean, what He's saying there, He says, look, I'm not looking for worship. God doesn't need our worship. He's looking for worshipers. We're, we are worshipers. So what He's wanting is He wants us. He wants us to love him with all of our heart. He wants us to worship him 
in spirit and in truth. And that's what God has called us to do. The truth is, is that our work is actually worship because remember, we're supposed to do it as unto the Lord. Our giving is worship. It's an act of worship. We're honoring God. We're putting value to him. Uh, Our serving, our our giving of our time, everything we do really is, is an act of worship and that God is preeminent and he wants us to worship him. He wants us to honor him, put him first. Now, I want to shift and really talk about praise and worship and what are we, why are we involved and why do we have praise and worship here? And I want to begin by going to Revelations. I want to go and look at the glimpse we have of heaven because it's so important to, to look in heaven. Okay, what's going on there? Revelations chapter 4, verse 1 says, After these things I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven. The first voice which I heard was like a trumpet <clears throat> speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one set on the throne. And I'm just going to give the intro, and we're going to look at some other verses. But what's happening here is that John is, whether it's a vision or he's literally taken to heaven, he is all of a sudden, he is just, wow, he sees heaven. It's very interesting what he sees first. He doesn't see all the things that are going on. He sees the throne, and he sees the Lord. I want to skip down to verse 8. It said, The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him, excuse me, who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him, who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will exist and were created. Isn't that amazing? Now what we see is a picture of heaven. What we see there is that when he sees the throne and then he He's able to pull back a little bit. He doesn't move. He vision does. And he sees what's going on around the throne. What's going on around the throne? Worship. They're adoring the, the lamb. And he goes on in chapter 5 and it says that. He says, behold, the lamb of God. He said, the line of the tribe of Judah, who's able to open the seal. Verse 9 of chapter 5, they sang a new song. And you're worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and you've redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the. No, that was loud. <laughs> reign on the earth. And God's not trying to get us to heaven. We keep trying to get to heaven. God's trying to get us to operate heaven here. So we're supposed to be representing Him. That's what disciples do. Uh, he's not worried about heaven. Heaven's fine. He's got it. I'm going to tell you, it's fine. There's no problem in heaven. Problem's here. Problem is not in heaven. God's trying to get us to represent him here. How do you do that? By becoming a disciple that loves the Lord, that puts him first, that live for him. He goes on to say, and they looked and heard the voice of many angels around the throne of the living creatures and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands and thousands, same with a loud voice. Worthy is a lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. 
Do you understand what's happening? What John, he, he's got this glimpse. The first thing he sees is the throne. He sees the Lord Almighty. And then all of a sudden, he begins to see around the throne. Wow, around the throne, all this activity and this worship service that's going on, bowing and praising and, and crying out, holy, holy, holy. And every time they get a glimpse, they're, they're down again, prostrate before the, before the throne. And as, he, as he's able to look around and to say, oh my goodness gracious, there's tens of thousands of thousands of angels. They're everywhere. Folks, that's, that's where we're headed. That's what's really going on. So the reality is, is that, wow, that's, it's a, a joyous, celebrative place because of the Lord himself. The veil is removed completely and we're able to behold him. People say, well, I'm not very expressive. Well, you will be. <laughs> you know, if, if people say, well, I just don't do that. You will. I mean, when they came to Jesus, at the, uh, the soldiers came up and he said, whom do you seek? And they said, we seek Jesus of Nazareth. He goes, I am. And they stepped back and fell down. He said, well, I don't do that. You will. <laughs> you know, I mean, we, we can talk all we want to in this realm. And people say, well, I'll get a new body then. Well, you're going to need it. <laughs> Because he's going to be up and down all the time. But the reality is, is that no, he's worthy of praise. When you see him for who he is, <laughs> you're going to forget all this other stuff of whether I do this or I don't do this or do that. Okay, let's look at the Old Testament. Go to Psalm 100. And we're just going to look at a few uh, scriptures because there's so many. Psalm 100. And I love this psalm. we We'll read the entire psalm. It said, Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Now, I've said many times, if you need to do a word study, you need to get a Bible program so that you can look up these words. The Hebrew language is much more colorful and expressive than our English language. So when we translate something away, you really need to see what, is, what was the real root word of that. Same thing with the Greek language in the New Testament. Make a joyful shout. You know what, the, what that shout means? Splitting the ear. It goes on to say, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. That's a ringing, joyful sound. Um, I got to go to the cowboy game a few years ago. And I was shocked at how loud it was. Been a long time since I'd been, but it was, it was so loud. And it was, the people were exuberant. And I thought, you know... And I know it's none of you in here, but sometimes people complain about the loudness. <laughs> really. And there's thousands of people out there cheering for people making millions of dollars running up down the field. <laughs> really. And we have an opportunity to praise the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, who came out of that tomb, who lives and reigns forever. Wow. He didn't just run a touchdown. He kicked them all out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really? And we complain about the noise. I can say all these things now. I'm not the pastor here. But... <laughs> I mean, I get invited back to preach. <laughs> he says, know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. And that, again, that word says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Literally, the word is todah. It means to extend your hands. The next word 
means with praise, means to sing songs of psalms and hymns. So it's a singing. The next one says to be thankful. That word is yada. It means to extend the hands again. It's very expressive. So praise and worship is not something we just sit there and we do. No, it's expression. It, it's giving of ourselves. We were created to worship, but I'm saying we were created for praise and worship too. We're literally musical. Um, when God changed our life in the, in the early 80s, nobody said, now you need to go do this. You need to go praise and worship God. We just wanted to. There wasn't, there wasn't a, a command that you need to do this now. No, there was something that inside, I just wanted to praise God. And it was awkward. Never been around people who'd raised their hands and, 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 and did the various things. I just thought, well, it's just, I don't do that sort of thing. And then I see it in Scripture. I go, uh-oh, now i got a problem. <laughs> you know, am I going to do what God says or am I going to be concerned about me? Amen. And I said, no, I'm going to do what God says. I am going to break through all of that of whatever, it probably pride, and I'm just going to be who God wanted me to be. I want to be expressive. I'll, he is worthy of all of our praise. He's worthy of all of our worship that we could possibly give to him. Amen. Somebody in our little group, when we were meeting in our home before the church started, made little cards about the size of your shirt pocket, and on there it said, Terry and Susan Moore gave our address and a little map of how to get there. On the back side, it put this first, it enters gates of thanksgiving into his courts with praise. And they would just stack them up, people would give them away. And it's amazing how many people would come <clears throat> with that card because somebody had given it to them. So we need to be inviting people. We need to invite people in the presence of God. You, you know people, you encounter people. You need to say, like, hey, come on, come to church with me. Come to Free Indeed this next Friday and Saturday. Come be a part of what God is doing and, and join in. Uh, we are the body of Christ. We rule and reign here on earth, at least we're supposed to. Well, it goes on to say, for the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and that literally, uh, if we bless the Lord, the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and truth endures to all generations. Look at Psalm 150. At the end of Psalm, the last Psalm, the first word there is praise, where we... That actually is the word hallelujah. Do you know that's the same word all over the world in every language? Everybody says hallelujah. Doesn't matter if it's in Africa or India or, or wherever you may be, hallelujah is a universal word. Why? Because God is worthy to be praised. Whether everybody likes that or not, you know, he really doesn't care. He's still worthy to be praised. So hallelujah. Praise God in the sanctuary. Praise Him in the mighty firmament. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to the excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the, the uh, lute and the harp. Praise Him with the timbrel and dance. Praise Him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise Him with loud cymbals. Praise Him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Pretty clear. See, again, we were created musically, and we're, we're created to respond and to, it's the response. See, true praise and worship is a response. It's not something that you're, you're doing. It's a response to Him. It's who he is. he is. He is worthy to be praised. So what about for today? We'll turn, if you will, to Acts, uh, and I want to turn to Acts chapter 15. 
Is this for us today? Are we supposed to be the same? But we see it in heaven. We see it certainly on uh, in the Old Testament. Acts 15, they're having a discussion, and this is a, a pivotal time in the church because the Gentiles have been brought into the kingdom of God. So they're having a debate whether or not the Gentiles are supposed to be circumcised according to Jewish custom and law to be part of the church. And so they're talking back and forth in Jerusalem. But I love this passage because what it happens is that James stands up and in verse 16 uh, verse 15 says, And the words of the prophet agree, just as is written, After this I will return and rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins, and I will set it up, so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who does all these things. Interesting verse. So James pulls this passage out of the Old Testament and says, Hey guys, this is the, Amos spoke this. This is what this is. This is the restoration of the tabernacle of David. And, and you think, why didn't God restore the temple of Solomon? Well, the temple of Solomon was phenomenal structure. It was a wonder of the world at the time. Why did God not restore that? Because God is not going to temples made with hands. God doesn't reside in a building. He rides in people. He resides in us. So what the tabernacle of David was, was God used David to set the Ark of the Covenant that the Philistines had taken. He brought it back. He put it into a tent. He didn't restore it to the temple. He put a tent there, and there were no animal sacrifices after it was set up. There was nothing but praise and worship and prayer 24 hours a day. See, it's a foreshadowing of the New Testament reality in the Old Testament. David is the type and shadow of a New Testament believer. Why? Because we have the opportunity to have the presence of God all the time. See, he tore the veil. We didn't tear the veil. He tore it. He came out. We didn't go in. He came out. He came out to us. There is no more ceremonial ways that we have to come to God. No, we, we have access 24-7. And it's really praise and worship that he has restored, that expression, ex expressiveness. Why? Because he's worthy. He's worthy of all of our praise. So he has done everything. And again, I say it's a response. So expressive praise and worship to me is just, it's just part of who we are. Look at 1 Peter. There's another verse here. And um, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10 says, You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who have not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. That's who we are. You know, we're, we're called to extend praise and worship and to worship him. And so, fully believe that, listen, the, the, what we see in heaven, what we see in the Old Testament, is for us today too. Nothing's changed. He hasn't changed. He's worthy of all of our worship. And so, therefore, we have the opportunity to worship him. Now, I just want to talk about where are we and what are, what are our position here? What do we believe? Well, number one, he's worthy of all of our praise and worship. Uh, everything that we could possibly give to him. His, he wants us to love him, but he wants us to understand the, the issue of value, that we value him. We put him first. The second thing is, is that praise and worship 
is a gift. It's a vehicle given to us. To have talented people using their talents to help us. But what it is, it's a vehicle. It's an invitation to intimacy. So I want you to think about what's going on. Praise and worship is about him, not about me. It's about him. What he's done, he's given to us a vehicle to help us to be able to get out of ourselves and into him. What praise and worship does, if you will, if we'll fully embrace what he has given to us, it's a vehicle to get my mind off myself and get my mind onto him. And what happens when I do that is that we're talking about all this, this modern day now, talking about brain science. Well, listen, what it does is helps me to get out of thinking about me and my issues so I am creatively thinking about the Lord. Wednesday night, we were having worship before our Wednesday night service, and the Lord spoke to me. He said, come soar with me. We're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Why do we stay so earthly bound? He's given us a vehicle. It's called praise and worship for us to be able to, to sing and rejoice, and I, I hear people say, well, I don't sing very, I'm, I'm not very good at singing, and, you know, and I carry a tune. And this is not about the music. It's not about the sound. It's about the heart. Yeah, it's good. He says, make a melody unto the Lord. So it's not, a, it's, not, it's not a performance. He's not looking for a performance. He's looking for worshipers, people whose hearts are totally fixed on him. So praise and worship is a gift. It's a vehicle to us. And understanding and embracing it. We don't have praise and worship here because that's something with the prelude before the man of God can come out here and preach. No. Praise and worship is an important part of what we do because it's an opportunity for us to come together as a corporate body to allow us to exalt the king in this particular manner, which he has prescribed for us to do. The truth is it's all about him but the benefits are all ours. That's where everything is in the kingdom. He's blessed us, you know, for us to be a blessing. He's always blessing us first. So he's given to us, he created us, and he created us to be worshipers, and he created us to praise and worship him. And he, like I said, he's given us that vehicle to really be able to soar with him. Helps me to, to really just, I get more things during praise and worship than probably any time. I get things reading my Bible, and praying, but praise and worship is it got a special part also. And we should all be worshipers. We should be doing praise and worship ourselves. But the dynamics of the corporate body coming together is just amazing. And that's what God really wants us to understand. Hebrews 13, 15 says, By him continually offering the sacrifice of praise, that is, the giving of thanks to him. See, we should be the most thankful, grateful people that exist. Because really, we have so much to be thankful for. And we should learn the power of giving thanks. That's what it says in the Old Testament. Oh, give thanks for God is good, for his mercy endures forever. He wants us to understand that power of giving thanks. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says that we're changed from glory to glory as we behold him. That's a principle that we need to understand. You realize that whatever you're beholding, you're going to become like it. That's worth going home and thinking about. Whatever you're beholding, you're beholding your problems, you're beholding the situations of life, I'm going to eat you alive. Why don't you behold him so that we're changed from glory to glory as we behold him? And again, praise and worship is a vehicle that God has given to us 
and we can behold him. I don't, you don't have to sing. You can read the word, but it's just another vehicle that he's given to us. Wow, we can behold him, the songs that we're singing. Now, to be honest, uh, I've been troubled over the last few years. A lot of the music we've been singing has not been about him. It's been about us. The last time I checked, I was the problem. If you ever want to know what the problem is, get a nice mirror. Just look in there. Go, hello. No, he's the answer and solution. It's not about, it's not about me. It's about him. And so we need to worship and, and adore and glorify him. So my question to you is, what are you beholding? Now, just, just briefly, I've just got just a few minutes left. Let me make a reference to you. You need to read Psalm 149. But I want to go to uh, Acts chapter 16. This is about spiritual warfare. You realize that praise and worship is a weapon? And, and it's a weapon. That's what one, uh, Psalm 149 talks about. It's a weapon we've been given to, to us. Real briefly, Acts chapter 16, beginning of verse 16, and you don't have to turn there. I'm going to tell you the story. Uh, Paul and Silas, they end up, they're turned to this, this uh, woman of divination and cast out this spirit. Well, they're... Masters saw the loss of prophet, and they were not excited. They took them and beat them, put them into the inner prison. I, I don't know any prison that would be nice, and the inner prison would not be nicer. It would be worse. So that's where, they, that's where we find them in Acts 16, verse 23. I'm sorry, verse 25. We begin there. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison was shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. About midnight, they were beaten with, they were beaten to the point to where it had to be terrible. They're put in the inner prison and they're praying and singing hymns. I don't think they were praying to get out. I think they were praising God. And whatever... You heard E.V. Hill years ago talk about it. God heard it and started joining, stomping in heaven, shook everything. Whatever the case was, the fact is, is that they were captivated by the presence of the living God. Not their circumstances, not their situation. They were captivated by him. And literally, the people were listening, so much so that the, the guard and the whole family got saved. Wow. Do you understand the power of us to be able to praise and to worship and adore God in the midst of every problem? Last verse is Isaiah 61 in verse 3. And we're just going to, I'm just going to quote it to you. Go look it up. It says he's given to us the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. There is a garment of praise he wants to give us. He wants us to enter in that. And what happens is there is a spirit of heaviness. There's that spirit of depression and oppression that comes upon you. God wants to, he's given us a way to get free. Put on a garment of praise. So I want to close in this. Our, this is our position. Praise and worship is not about style. It's not about personality. It's not, it's not kind of songs. It's not all these kind of things that we, we get caught up in sometimes. If I ask you in here, what type of music you prefer, everybody in here has probably got a different style. One person likes a piano-led, one person likes voice-led, another person likes guitar-led, other people like this, they like that. They like country style, they like modern style, all kinds of styles. Not about that. 
It's about him. It's about him. And when you understand the power of praise and worship, listen, we ought to come in here ready and excited to praise and to worship him. And, you know, it doesn't matter who's leading, doesn't matter who's saying, songs were singing, it's all about him. And to just to be able to exalt and to honor him. That's what God wants. The power of that dynamics he inhabits the praises of his people. I, I want to be found to be a worshiper. I want to be found praising him, and I want him to inhabit the praises of us as we gather together. So that's why praise and worship is not just something we do. It's a vital part of who we are. And we get the opportunity to gather together to really praise and to worship him. Amen? Amen. Now, let me close with this question. Two questions, sorry. What are you beholding? What are you worshiping? God wants you to be, he, he is worthy of all of our praise and all of our worship. Let's pray. Father, we love you and bless you. We thank you that you have given to us everything that pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of you. We are so grateful and thankful that, Lord, you've given to us a vehicle that through music, through praise, through worship, that we can adore you, and you have set the stage for us to come and to, to enjoy you, given us an invitation to come into your presence with singing and rejoicing and praise. Wow. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to be true worshipers who'd worship you in spirit and truth. We'd worship you with our whole heart, that we'd praise you and exalt and honor you and Lord, we want to join in with what's already going on in heaven. Lord, we can do that here on earth. So Lord, I just pray that we'd be a rejoicing people, a praising people, a worshiping people. And I pray, Lord, you'd help us to be a people that would behold you. Forgive us for looking at the problems. Forgive us for reciting all the negative things that are going on. Lord, we want to look and behold you. We love you, we bless you, we thank you in Jesus' name, amen.